At this time, I want to invite up, we have a very special guest speaker here with us today. I believe the last time he was here was like two years ago, September. Is that right? Two years ago, September. And he is the senior pastor of Solomon's Porch, which is an English ministry church in Hong Kong. He's originally from California. I used to serve uh, at a church called TKC uh, down in SoCal. And he has uh, just become a really good friend of mine and uh, just a real blessing when he was here last time uh, to the whole community. And uh, he was here for a wedding this weekend. And so uh, we heard about it and I did not lose the opportunity to grab hold of him to, to see if he can come minister. He'll be flying out right after the service back to Hong Kong, but uh, uh, he graciously agreed to come by and minister to us today. Uh, they're actually doing a church plant in an Asian country that we cannot mention. Can we mention it? It's okay? It's okay? Yeah, they're, they're church planning in Beijing right now, so they already started one in Beijing, and then they're currently working on the initial phases of church planning in Singapore. And so if you could pray for Solomon's Porch in that way, uh, you know, there's a real apostolic grace on this man, and he's going out, and he's just uh, really uh, breaking new grounds and uh, raising and doing church plants in those areas. Uh, he's a celebrated speaker all over the world. He's just traveling all the time, speaking everywhere. Um, and he's here today with uh, his wife, Lisa Samunim. And so uh, at this time, uh, I just want to ask both of them to stand up. Let's welcome up Pastor Sam Song and Lisa Samarim. All right, Pastor Sam. Thank you, Pastor Christian. It was a very nice introduction. I was trying to figure out who you were introducing. That's good. I'm just a normal guy. You'll, once you get to know me, you'll know that fact to be very true in that regard. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a little sick right now, and so uh, you just have to bear with me a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we, we were here for a wedding, had a wonderful wedding yesterday. It was actually one of our original members when we started the church uh, about ten and a half years ago with six people. And so in our, our Beijing church plant, they're actually celebrating their one-year anniversary this coming weekend. And uh, they're already up to about 100 people right now and uh, uh, ministering. We sent, we sent our associate pastor uh, and then his family and then uh, um, another guy and his, his wife. And he's actually a lawyer. And we sent another lady, and she's actually a banker. And so between the two of them, we're trying to reach out to the business community in Beijing. So we're right there in the, um, if you know, the rings, right? We're right there in the, in the CBD. And so if you know any friends that are in Beijing, um, uh, especially that are not Christians, uh, as kind of our target audience, um, you know, Christians are okay, but, um, but they're, you know, sometimes they're really hard to disciple, right? So I just, you'll find that I'm very honest. And so as we continue to go along and then we just started, uh, we're starting a church plan in Singapore right now. And uh, so I fly out every week. Uh, I, I teach a class on Wednesday night and it's only three hours from Hong Kong. So it's quite simple. And so, uh, yeah, we appreciate your prayers in that regard. We're, we already have about 25 people meeting together. And they've been meeting for the last, uh, last year and a half, actually. And so I guess they, they kind of moved my hand 
Uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to plant a church in Singapore because one of my best friends is in Singapore. Uh, he's got like a 7,000-member church. And so, uh, you know, it's like I don't want to encroach on his territory, but, you know, these guys kind of forced my hand. And so uh, we, got a, we got my friend's blessing. It's not like he needs more members, right? I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got plenty and things. So, But I have a word for you guys today. If you turn to John chapter 6. It's always a blessing uh, to come to Korea. Um, really, uh, really enjoy Pastor Christian's friendship. And, and every time I come, I, I come for many different reasons to Korea. Uh, my dad actually lives in Daegu uh, now. He's a retired missionary. And so, um, but we always uh, give uh, PC a call, and it's always fun to hang out. Uh, his wife uh, told us that we always go to swimming together for some reason. And so it's not any funny thing, right? We just, it just, just happens to swim at the same time, so... But John chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 15. I'm going to go to 21. So if you have your Bible, you can follow along with me. I'm reading the New American Standard. It says, And Jesus therefore perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum, And it had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. And the sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. When therefore they had rowed about three or four miles away, uh, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. And they said to them, and he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And they were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray together. Father, We thank you, God, for this time. We thank you for this church, Lord. We thank you for this movement, God. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would continue to stir their hearts, God, that they would be able to to step in, God, to the the ultimate purposes of God in their life individually and corporately as a body. God, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of worship and giving and testimony, God. And, And now we humble ourselves, God, and we come to your word. And we ask you to teach us through it, God. Lord, transform our lives, Lord, through the preaching of your word. Lord, to that end, God, we ask you to release the revelatory ministry of the Holy Spirit in this room. Lord, give us an ear to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit is saying to each one of us individually and corporately as a body. God, I humble myself today. I ask that you use me to preach your prophetic word with power and authority. Help me, Lord, not just to convey your words, God, but to convey your heart. We thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said... Amen. Amen. The title of my message today is, is uh, out of verse 20. It's me. Don't be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. This could be quite possibly some of the most comforting, encouraging words in all of the Bible. It's me. Don't be afraid. There are so many things in our life that we battle. There are so many things in our life that we, we face every single day. And, and, and if we're typical people living on this planet, there are uh, many pressures, there's a lot of worries, uh, a lot of fears that inundate our lives on a daily basis. And to hear these words of the Lord continually through our life, hey, it's me, don't be afraid. So we need to be aware and careful that no matter how difficult life gets, and uh, I'm going to uh, Cambodia with my wife uh, in, a, in a few weeks, and uh, we, we sent two of our girls, they're, they're missionaries there, and, and they work uh, helping uh, girls train women that are getting out of the sex trade. And they'll send me emails all the time, you know, pray for this person, pray for that person. And it's some of the most horrific, 
situations you can imagine. I mean, they're, you know, pray for so-and-so because her mom is going to sell her six-year-old daughter into the sex trade. I mean, just, I mean, on a weekly basis, and I mean, life is difficult in many ways. You know, and, and this is not just in Cambodia, but all over the world. Life is difficult. And in this, we, we need to, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, trust in the Lord no matter what. He always says, it's me. Don't be afraid. See, what happens a lot of times in difficulties and difficult moments, a lot of us, what generally happens is we begin to revert back to our old nature. And what I mean by that is if, if you, uh, let's say you're a businessman and uh, you did business in such a way, and then you hit your first difficulty as a believer, you become a Christian, and now you start doing things in a Christian way, in a Christian manner, what ends up happening is as soon as you hit that difficult period, we initially revert back to our own ways. And we go back to, well, this worked for me before, and so maybe I'll, I'll do this. Well, this Christian thing's not really working out right now, and there's always a reverting back. It's, it's in our sinful nature to do that. Maybe you're dating somebody, and you're trying to do it the Christian way. You know, you did the pagan way before. It didn't really work for you. you did the Christian way, and that's not working for you. So what do we do? We revert back to our old nature. But we've got to understand that when times get difficult, you need to trust the Lord because he's there. It's me. Don't be afraid. Uh, one of my professors in seminary, uh, he uh, would tell us a story, and, and he's, a, uh, he's a very well-known charismatic leader now, but he used to be part of a, a, a denomination that was very, very conservative. And he would say that one of his greatest frustrations, he was a missionary in Nigeria, one of his greatest frustrations is that they get these uh, people, these Africans, and they get saved. Uh, uh, they they you know, would get baptized, and they would go to church. You know, 10, 20 years, faithful members of the church. But as soon as someone got sick in their, in their, uh, in their home, in their village, they wouldn't go to church. They would go to the witch doctor. So as soon as difficulty happens, they revert back to their own ways. That was a huge uh, kind of learning experience for him because he realized the reason why they're going to the witch doctor because their church wasn't supplying any power to what they needed in that time. And so he learned and he kind of grew. Now, let me bring it a little bit more home for some of us. I think, and I'm not talking about any of you guys here, right? Just your friend. Um, <laughs> but a lot of times, I, I've seen this in the church uh, an older gentleman who's not married, an uh, older woman that's not married, and you know, on fire for God, loves the Lord, and they have standards. And the standard is, man, I, you know, as a woman, I want a man of God. I mean, this has to be a man of God, a leader in the church. I mean, this person has to be bad to the bone. I mean, prayer warrior, intercessor, gifted, right? Amen? I mean, that's the standard. And then... Time goes by, it doesn't quite work out, and the standard, no, forget it, he just needs to go to church. <laughs> I mean, if this guy goes to church, that's, that's what I want. Let this Lord, every Sunday church, you know, forget batter the bone, intercessor, prophetic warrior, all this kind of gets tossed aside. And as long, Lord, as long as he goes to church, that's good enough for me. And then some time goes by, and it doesn't quite work out, and... And, oh, as long as he's a nice guy. If he's a nice guy, that's all that matters. He just needs to be a nice man. And so maybe he'll come to church with me after we get married. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then some time goes by later on. And next thing you know, it's, 
as long as he has a heartbeat, you know, four limbs and a heartbeat, that's good enough, right? Whoever it may be. No, okay, I'm not talking about you, remember, your friend. So don't, don't worry about that here. But you, well, you know this because I've, ex- I've not, not me personally, but I've been around a lot of people that happens. As soon as difficulty gets in, they revert back to their old nature and they stop trusting in the Lord. It's just part of our sinful nature. It, it, it happens to us. And unless we guard ourselves and really understand that, man, we need to really trust God in the things that we're doing. How about, let's, you know, a little bit more home. How about dealing with financial difficulties? How many of us get so challenged not to tithe or to give or to be generous because of financial difficulties? Right? We begin to revert back to what we did before. And the funny thing is, what you did before didn't work either. But it's nostalgia. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it becomes one of these things like, oh, that's kind of a good idea. But it's, it still doesn't work. And so we have to be aware of that. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, I'll read this. He says, let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave, uh, I'll never leave you, I'll never desert you. Not will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Isn't that great? This is what the writer of Hebrews tells us. He, 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 he has a grasp. He understands the pressures, the difficulties of life. He, he, he understands all these things, but he has this, this very simple truth that's laid in his heart. What can man do to me? If I trust God, what can man do to me? If God has got my back, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? You know, so many times in, in my own life, uh, and, and uh, I mean, I, I've, there have been many times, instances where I, I've been very afraid. I think probably the scariest moment of my life was when uh, we brought home our, our first daughter, Elise. And she came home, my mom was with me, and she spent a month with my wife and I, and then she left. She went back to Uzbekistan, back to the mission field. And so we, I remember coming home from the airport express, and we came in, and we walked in with our baby in our hand. And she was so small, she fit in my hand. And I was trembling. I was afraid. So scared. And I remember just sitting down afterwards, and I mean, just literally trembling. And my wife, the same thing. We looked at each other like, what in the world are we going to do? <laughs> and, and as this is happening, this, this thought, it's actually a... a uh, a word that my mom uh, prayed over me and, and used to tell me all the time. And she said, and, and it just kind of rung to me, says, Sam, if you just trust God and if you just stay humble, God will always take care of you. And I remember I was, I was sitting there, I think I was having my quiet time, and, and just those words came. If I just trust God, no matter what circumstance, and if I remain humble, God's going to take care of me. God's going to have my back. It's a simple thing. Look, God says, it's me. Do not be afraid. Right? Jesus is saying that he's not going to abandon us in our difficult of times. And, and if you look at the text, I mean, this is a difficult time. This, this storm was so bad that, I mean, this, this, these weren't a bunch of land lovers. These were seasoned fishermen. I mean, think about that for a moment. Do you guys ever watch Discovery Channel? You know, the, the, what was it? The uh, Deadliest Catch and all. Those guys are bad. I mean, like, in a good, right? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm from Southern California, so. But, I mean, this, these guys are manly guys. Can, and, and, I mean, boats going crazy, and they're just sitting there. I mean, I would be puking left and right if I was in that boat. But can you imagine seasoned fishermen that are afraid, 
I mean, this is a kind of a serious storm that, that, that's kind of hit uh, this boat. And yet, even in the midst of this, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not abandoning you in the most difficult of times. It's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Right? His name, he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. That, that, that is, of all the names of Jesus that are in the Bible, that really is my favorite one. Uh, so much so that our second daughter, her name's Emma, and we, we named her Emmanuel, basically, out of, out of this text. He's God that's with us. And, and just, you know, God, he's, he's got such a, a great timing. My second daughter, Emma, who's named Emmanuel, which is the French version of, of this word, actually was born on Bastille Day, July 14. Right? And so God's just, I, I, to me, it was kind of like God said, Sam, you picked a good name. Right? And so she's born on July 14. And it's amazing. But he, that's who he is. He's God that's with us. Listen, friends, don't, don't, don't get thrown off here. In this world, there will be difficulties. In this world, you will endure hardships. In this world, there'll be trouble. Uh, even we're followers of Christ and whatnot. And, and I mean, I, you know, don't, don't, don't buy into the lie that we see actually across pulpits all over this world. In this world, there's difficulty. In this world, things are going to happen that, that are going to be very tough for us. You know, your parents are going to pass away. You're going to run through joblessness. Uh, some people are going to get sick. Uh, things, things are going to happen. But what God promises us, he promises that he'll be with us every step of the way. Right? And that we, according to Romans, that we're going to be overcomers of all these things. There's going to be hardship, disease, and it's really the nature of this fallen world that all of us live in. But look at, listen to Jesus' words, John 16, 33. He says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Shalom. In the world you will have tribulation. But he says, But fear not, for I've overcome the world. So he says that he'll be with us in the midst of this. Our hope comes from the Lord that's overcome everything. So let's unpack this passage for us a little bit. Let's see what the Lord is going to speak to us. I have three simple points. We're just going to read it from the text and just kind of follow it along. Number one, what can we learn from John 6? Number one, Jesus is in the storm. Jesus is in the storm. Like I said, storms happen. This is life. But Jesus is in the storm. He's not on some holiday, uh, hanging out on the beach somewhere. He's right there in the midst with you. He's not looking away at, from some distance, watching you suffer. He's right there with you. He was right there with these guys. He's right in the thick of it. When you suffer, he suffers. When you hurt, he hurts. How do I know this? Not only is it in the scriptures, but have you ever had a, a time in your life when you were praying and you were praying for somebody? And it's, it's happened to me actually quite frequently. And when you pray for someone, something happens to you. One of the first times this ever happened is uh, I took, uh, I used to be a youth pastor. I, I did youth ministry for about four years. Uh, I'm way back in the days. And when I was in youth ministry, we were at this retreat, and uh, I, I, was, I was preaching, and I felt like God gave me a prophetic word. And we were just kind of learning how to hear God's voice during the time. And it was just really a simple word, and I just felt like we wanted to minister to all of our 
youth group kids that came from broken families. You know, parents got divorced and whatnot. I only knew one kid. And, and I, I, mean, I just started getting to know these kids. I was with them less than a year. I only knew one kid. And so I thought at least one guy is going to show up, you know, to get prayed for. So I was like, all right, this is cool. So let me, I'll do it. You know, you risk less back in the days. And so, and so I, I said, hey, so there's some people. And then like eight kids came up to the front. I just said, I feel like God wants to minister to you. So why don't you come over here and to the side? And, you know, we're out in the, in, in the forest, uh, um, in the mountains. And so they came up to the side, and I invited my teachers that were there. And we just went and just started laying hands on these kids. And, I, 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 you know, we lay hands on people and whatnot, and it's kind of a typical thing. But I remember this time, I remember the first kid, his name was Jibin. And, and this kid, I went over, and I kneeled down, and, and I got really close to him. And all the kids were bawling. Even, I mean, as they're walking up, they're already bawling. And so I remember laying my hands on his back, and I kid you not, as soon as I touched him, I just started weeping. And it was this, this deep, deep, deep sobbing. Uh, you know, I mean, deep. And, and I, I, I've, never, I've never wept like this. You know, I'm, I'm a Korean man, you know. So, so we don't do that kind of stuff. Well, we do privately, you know, but not publicly. And things and stuff. So and I'm, just, I'm just weeping. And, and, you know, and then I, 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 finish, I, I finish praying for this kid. And then I go pray for another kid. And the same thing. I, and you feel like there's no more tears in my tear ducts. It, it's impossible. And I pray for another one. And I start bawling again. And I end up praying for all eight of them. And it was crazy. I, I, I'll tell you the story. So my, my wife here, my wife Lisa, my beautiful wife, uh, she didn't like me when we first met. <laughs> so, yeah. To this day, I still have no idea why. No, don't worry. I know why. I can't tell you the story. It makes me look really bad. So, uh, so I, was, I was guest speaking at her, ch- at her church. And so I came up and uh, I, I preached. I think I, I preached a good word. Uh, had people come up afterwards, right? And uh, so people came up to the front. And I was just kind of getting to know her. And I didn't really know that much about her. All I knew is I liked her. And so I remember she came up to the front. And I said, yeah. This is uh, this is when you minister the laying on of hands, right? Ah, just is this like a religious group, man? Okay, so so she comes up and she's there, and so I'm ready. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pray for, I'm gonna prophesy over her. I'm gonna win her over with my godliness, right? And so, so she walks up, and then next thing you know, this guy walks up right next to her, this big, like, 6'1", really good-looking guy, and goes up, and then they start holding hands. <laughs> you feeling me, right? And so before, I was so excited to go and pray for them, and now I just walked away. I, I work this side of the room. And then because I'm a pastor, okay, I got to go and I got to pray for them. And so I remember I went and just typically I went and laid my hands on this guy, tall, good-looking guy. I thought, I thought it was a boyfriend. And so I'm thinking, whatever. And so, <laughs> and so Lord, you know, give me a, a good word, but not such a good word, you know, for him. And so, so I went and I, I, I laid hands on him. And man, as soon, I kid you not, as soon as I, I touched his, 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 his shoulder, kind of 
big shoulder. As soon as I, t- I started bawling. And it was crazy. I just started weeping. And, and I was like, what the heck? And then, and then God gave me just, just words just beginning to come out. And I remember very specifically, I, I told him, I says, hey, the Lord wants you to know. And I started moving the first person that I am your father. And just started prophesying over him. And then he starts weeping. And then Lisa starts weeping next to him. And I was this crazy thing. And I found out later on that you know who that was? Brother. Brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, but this, I mean, but this is, this is the backstory. So Lisa's dad died when, at least you're about seven years old or eight years old. And so younger brother, he must have been about four. And so he, he basically grew up without a father. And it was actually the first time he had come to church in years, right? And, but it, but it, was, it was just like that. Sometimes when we open our heart up to God, God gives us his heart. And it's not, it's not my compassion over him or over these students. It's God's compassion, but he does it through you. You know what I mean? That's, that's really what intercession's about, numbered with the transgressors. And so when, when I laid hands, and now I'm stepping in in that role of intercession, and so God is literally weeping through me. And, and significant ministry is happening on here. That's what, he, that's what he's like. He, he's, he's, he lets us feel his incredible heart for his people. And it happened, it'll happen all the time for you, especially if you have a calling in intercession. And so Jesus, he's right there. A lot of times we feel, we feel like when we're going through suffering that he's not there. In fact, one of the first things that we always say is, God, where are you? Followed up by God. How, don't, how come you don't love me? I, I, I thought I was your friend and whatnot. And, and these, these thoughts keep coming over and over and over again. But he's right there. Jesus is in the storm with you he's not left you he's not forsaking you he's right there in the midst of it see the 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 simple thing and 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 if you if you don't catch this if you don't understand what god is doing in the storm you can really miss out on something incredible david in the psalm he says something he says god you have enlarged me in my distress what God, you have enlarged me. God made him a better person, made him a better man, a better king, a better father, better everything. But it happened in distress. It happened in difficulty. It happened in in moments of temptation. It happened in the moments of of, of falling, of failure. And for David in many ways. See, he, he does something so deep and so profound in the storm. So instead of asking and saying, God, what are you doing in my life? And instead of saying, God, why have you abandoned me? It begs for us to take a step back and say, God, what are you doing right now? You have enlarged David in his distress. God, you're doing something. If you ever prayed to God to be a better man, to be a better woman, and difficulty comes, that's exactly what he's doing. You've ever said, God, I want to love you more, and difficulty comes, that's exactly what he's doing. You said, God, I want to grow my character and whatnot. And difficulty comes, that's exactly what God's doing. You know, sometimes we don't equate the things that we pray. Because, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times we just throw a lot of junk mail to heaven. You know what I mean? Da, 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 da. We, we don't really understand exactly what we're praying about. But God hears every prayer. You want character? Here you go. Bam! You know what I mean? 
You want to grow in your faith? Here you go. Here's a test that comes your way. And we need to make this equation fit. I see Jesus is in the storm. Here's a little clue. It doesn't matter where you're going. Right? What matters is whom you're going with. See, it doesn't really matter the destination. What really matters is who you're going with on that journey. I remember years ago, and I, uh, I used to play basketball. And so I was in China playing basketball. And we're out, and we're, we're like in this bus, three hours going to some village to play a team. And when we're out on this bus, and we're going, and we were driving through, and it was just uh, like nothing out there. I mean, just absolutely nothing, wasteland. And this, this is like 20 years ago, China. Now China is pretty developed. Uh, I think I say more developed than Korea, actually. Uh, and, and so they're, you know, just seeing nothing. And I felt like the Lord whispered to me and said, Sam, could you spend the rest of your life out on some farm out here just being a nobody? You know, I mean, no, just nothing and just spend the rest of your life ministering to these people out here. And I was, I was, in, the, I was in the bus. I was sweating, man. You know, cause not, not because it was hot. I was sweating because I was under the, the light of God, the heat of God. And I, I just, I, I said, Lord, no. I, I, I was just honest. I said, I can't. You know, there's like nothing out here. And then, I, and then the heat comes on a little bit more. And so you, I'm, the whole ride, I mean, all my, all my teammates were sleeping. I was like wide awake, just sweating the whole time. And then this thought came and I said, Lord, if you give me someone to share it with, I can do it. Lord, if you give me someone to share it with, I can do it. So it doesn't matter where you're going. What matters with whom you're going with. And I thank God that the Lord gave me a nice partner. Can I take my jacket off? Is that okay? Uh, Sorry, I'm getting hot. There's like some air conditioning rule in Korea, right? It's ridiculous, man. So hot. Whoever invented the AC is a genius in my mind. Any case, I'm from Hong Kong. Okay. Now, let me continue on. So, this this is the thing, guys. Western, Western Christianity is so fixated on eliminating suffering. It is. It is so fixated on eliminating suffering. The idea of a blessed life to a lot of people is a life devoid of suffering. That's not true. That's not true. Right? The, the, I mean, Paul tells us, Jesus tells us over again, he says, those who desire to live godly will be persecuted. There, there is a measure there, but for some reason, the Western church, we have kind of uh, kitted ourselves, tricked ourselves in, in, with, with this, I think is really a demonic thought in many ways, that we're so fixated on eliminating suffering. And can I say this? Suffering is good for us. It, it really is. Suffering does things to us. There's something about that. And the reason why suffering is good is because Jesus is in the middle of it. In this regard, Jesus is in the storm. Let me, let me read you this, uh, this quote. It's out of, I got this out of Fortune magazine's uh, author named William Batten. And Batten, a very successful businessman. This is what he says. He says, when I hear my friends say they hope their children don't have to experience the hardships they went through, he says, I don't agree. I'll read that again. He says, when I hear my friends say that they hope their children don't have to experience the hardships that they went through, he says, I don't agree. Those hardships made, made us what we are. You can be disadvantaged in many ways. And one way, maybe not having had to struggle at all. 
It's, it's deep, right? I mean, this guy, he, he had to figure it out. You know, we, we, are, we are a culture that, and, and, I, and I feel like this too with, with my three girls. I, I want to eliminate suffering as much as I can, but when I get to my right senses, that's, that's my ego more than anything else. But when I come to my senses, I realize suffering is good. Suffering is good. You know, when I grew up, I, I was never sick. I was, I was just one of those guys, I never got sick. And so I end up, but it's a bad result because I end up going to China on a mission trip. I was actually NK border and I got typhoid. Who gets typhoid in our day and age? You know what I mean? I mean, it's like a medieval disease. I got typhoid. And so they didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was, I was, I was almost dying. Uh, I had a fever, like 104 for about 10 days. And they didn't figure out what was going on. And I, I was so dumb. I didn't know that I was you know, suffering. My wife was actually in the States. And so, and, and it didn't occur to me until I started getting a full body rash because my body was heating up, you know, because I, I, I never get sick. And so I, I don't know what it feels like. And so I've got this 104 fever and I just feel like, oh, I'm a little sluggish today. You know, maybe I should eat something. And so the doctor runs all these tests and they finally find out I have typhoid. I'm, I'm in the hospital. And so I, I lost like 15 pounds while I was there. And so, but in, in the midst of all this, one of the things he said is because you're never sick when you're little. In other words, what happened is your body never built any antibodies. And so you're so susceptible to illness now. And so I finally got out. I was better. And I went through like six months. I got every vaccination known to man. I'm serious. You should see my medical chart. I got every vaccination known to man because I don't have any antibodies. And I think that's, that's kind of what this is like. You know, a, a Christian life devoid of suffering is like a life without any antibodies. And so when you need to fight, you just don't have the energy to. Do you know what I mean? Because, see, the Bible calls us to be overcomers, not managers. Right? There's too many people just managing our problems. We're to overcome our problems. The only way you overcome your problems is to fight. And the only way you fight is, is to allow these things to come into your life and these things happen. Right? I love what this says. So remember, Jesus is in the storm. Ask God, Lord, what are you doing through this joblessness? God, what are you doing through this illness? Uh, what, what, what are you doing through this, this relational hardship that's going on? God, what, what are you doing with, with my depression? What are you doing with my suicidal thoughts? Lord, what are you doing with all these things that are coming around? Now listen, I want to give you good theology. I'm not saying that God is causing these things in our life, but God redeems these things in our lives. We live in a broken, sinful world. And Jesus is right there in the boat with you. He's right there in the midst of your storm. So what do you do? So he's in the storm. You're going through hardship. Number two, real simple. Look what he says here. Number two, invite Jesus into your boat. Invite Jesus into your boat. He says in verse 19, And when therefore they had rowed about three or four miles, they beheld Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, In his eye, do not be afraid. And they were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat. you got to invite him into the boat. This is a volitional act that we do. Whatever your situation, whatever your conflict, whatever problem, whatever is going on, invite him into your boat. It's a volitional act to invite him into their situation. Because, look, this is the key. God is a gentleman. 
I don't, I mean, it's one of those mysteries because God's God, but yet God is a gentleman in our life and he'll only go where he's invited. He'll only take us so far and then we have to invite him in. He comes when he's invited. Let me show you something. Turn to Luke chapter 24. You probably never saw this before. Luke chapter 24 is a passage and these guys on the road to Emmaus. Your college ministry. These guys are going to your college ministry, okay? <laughs> so in Luke 24, so you have Cleopas and his friend, and they're leaving their ministry behind. They're going to this place. And as they're going, he begins to reveal himself, and you know, all these things begin to happen. And then he gets, let's, let's just get at verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. This is a key verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go farther. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went and stayed with them. Now look at this picture. This is kind of really interesting if you, if you think about this. So, Jesus meets them on the road to Emmaus, and he's going along, he's doing his thing. And then they get to this fork in this road. And so, these guys get off the road, basically, and they go to an inn, and they're settling in. But the Bible says Jesus acted as though he would go farther. And so, here, they're walking along, and you, I mean, you can imagine these two guys, and they're at the fork, and these guys are going this way. And then Jesus kind of is like, mm, and he just... He didn't say he was, he's going to go farther. He acted as though he would go farther. And so it was, he, I mean, what was he waiting for? He was waiting for an invitation. He didn't, Jesus didn't want to go farther. He acted like he wanted to go farther. You know, have you ever been around people and they, you hope that they invite you to dinner? You know what I mean? You kind of stick around for a while and, and you want to go, but you're kind of like, oh, you're too cool to ask yourself. And not that Jesus is too cool to ask for himself, but you know what happens here? He needs an invitation. He, he's kind of walking along, and he's just, you can imagine, he's like, da, 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 da. and he's hoping these guys, hey, Jesus, come stay with us. And that's exactly what happened. These guys say, Jesus, come stay with us. And Jesus said, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't take much to convince him. You know, you don't have to do a 40-day fast and, you know, kind of thing. It's so simple. They say, Jesus, come stay with us. And he said, okay. And he went and stayed with them. It was just so simple in this regard. No, I don't want to kick 40-day fast and geo because that's good stuff too, right? But it's this idea he needs to be invited. The king of glory, the king of the universe. How does this work out? I don't know. But he needs to be invited. He acts as though he would go farther. That's not, but he wants to stay. He's given us a will and the ability to choose. We can invite him in or we can leave him outside. It's, it's, it's really a, a really simple thing. We can invite him in or we can leave him outside. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and, and dine with him and he with me. But he stands at the door and knock. Remember, that wasn't, I know we use this for evangelism and all these things. But you know, that letter was written to the church. It wasn't really written to the non-Christian or the pagan. It was written to believers. And he says, church, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. If you don't open the door, I'm going to stay outside. Isn't that sad? 
have you ever seen this? There's a, a, a very famous picture. If, if, you're, if your parents are like elders in a Korean church or like deacons, I guarantee you have this picture in your home. It's a, it's a picture by a very famous uh, painting. His name is Hunter Holman. And it's Jesus is standing in this wood door. And, you know, there's this iron gate. Yeah, you guys seen this in your house. And so there's a picture of Jesus right at the door. If you look at the picture really closely, Holman drew it very well. There's no door handle on the outside. And he was depicting this truth that we have to open the door. Jesus is not going to open the door. We need to open the door. Yeah, paintings are profound, right? And so we open the door, and then Jesus comes in. So you have to invite him into your boat. You need to invite him into your situation. Most of the time, because again, we go back to our sinful nature, we're used to doing things ourselves, aren't we? We always do things ourselves. We're so self-sufficient. And so before we met Christ, it was all about us, and, and we do it ourselves, and we're self, we don't depend on anybody. And there, there comes a time, there needs to be a shift in our Christian life where you have to depend on Him. Where you have to go to Him. And part of that depending and that trusting is to invite Him into your situation. Volitionally, verbally. Say, Lord, I give you this situation. I mean, pouring our heart out before the Lord and really, really giving it to Him. Whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it is, whatever situation, invite Him into it. Intercede. Seek His face. Right? Don't just rock back and forth in your bow being tossed back and forth through the waves. But ask Him to come. Amazing things happen when you ask Him to come. It's such a simple truth. The last one, number three. Number three. Let Jesus take you to your destination. Let Jesus take you to your destination. If you go back to the John passage, John 6, it says in the end, the second part of verse 21, and it says, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Recognize Jesus is in there. Invite him into your situation. And then this is the promise of God. You're going to get wherever you're supposed to get to. It may be different place than you thought. Do you know what I mean? I never thought I'd be in Hong Kong. I mean, that's crazy. Right? And we, I mean, we're permanent residents now. We spent almost 11 years in Hong Kong. My three kids were born in Hong Kong. I mean, crazy. And so we, I never thought this would be the destination. But when you invite him in, he leads you on an adventure. And guess what? You get to the place where he wants you to be. I love this verse. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Wherever they needed to be, they got there. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus is in your boat, wherever you're supposed to be, you're going to get there. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, good looking. Wherever you're supposed to be, you're going to get there. Go ahead. See, now, notice there's a couple passages in the Gospels where Jesus does different things in different storms. And so one of the things as a Christian, uh, I mean, there's testimonies, and, and that's kind of good, good too. But you have to always be aware that God wants to do fresh things. He wants to do new things. And in Mark 4, you know what, remember what Jesus did? He, the storm was going crazy, and he woke up and he said, hush, be still. <laughs> Stillness. I'm, we like that. 
God just says one word and bam, everything's in order. But sometimes God doesn't work like that. Sometimes the storm still happens. The storm still rages, but you still get to the place where you need to be. See, that's the key. Right? Don't, don't rely on yesterday's favor. Do you know what I mean? Don't rely on yesterday's prayers. His mercies are new every morning. And so whatever God's doing, whatever is in that place, make sure that you're following what He's doing today, right now. And if you do that, you're going to get to the place where you need to be. He'll take you to your destination. And Jesus, a lot of times, He works in many different ways. And you need to make sure that that, that happens. Whatever the purpose of the storm, the destination was reached. But only if Jesus is in the boat with you. Only when there's an invitation that's, that's there. Wherever it was the disciples wanted to go, the beauty of it is, is they got there immediately. Immediately. Right? That's, God does His work. You know, have you ever heard testimonies from people that uh, struggled with different things because they were doing it on their own? And, and, and they were like, you know, bumping their heads. And but there was everything. And then the moment they said, okay, God, I, just, I finally give up. And boom, things just start happening. Right? We go out of our strength into His strength. We finally decide to do it his way, and then everything just flows. You know, I mean, since my wife is here, this is, it was kind of our relationship. I, I chased her for two years, right? She didn't, she didn't even know I liked her. And then, oh, I think, she, I think you knew I liked her. But I, I thought I was playing it cool, but everyone knew, you know, this place. <laughs> and so, and I, I mean, I was, I was banging my head. I was trying to do all kinds of things. I would pray, and I, I feel so embarrassed now to, to mention it. But I used to pray, God, just make her like me, you know? <laughs> Just, just do it. You can do anything. Just make her like me, God. You know, what, what's wrong with her? You know, kind of thing. And so, I, I'm, I'm, there's no joke. I, would, I literally would pray like that. And then finally, I'm just, just at my wit's end, trying to do all these things, manipulate situations, all that stuff, and just didn't work. Just, just didn't work. And I remember one day, I just finally, I just said, God, I just give up. I just give up. Forget it. And actually, you know what it really was? It was this prayer... Basically, I begin to realize that I really love her. You know, even though the, our relationship, and I remember praying this prayer, I said, God, I, I really care for this person. And so if I'm not the one that's going to make her happy, get me out of the way and bring that person to her. Because I just want her to be happy. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times dating and that kind of stuff, it's about me, myself, and I, right? It's because I want, I want that girl because I want to be happy, Lord. It doesn't work that way. You know, love, because love is sacrifice. When you finally come to that place and you realize, Lord, I just want them to be happy. I want her to be happy. And if I'm not the, if I'm not the man for the job, you get me out of the way and you bring the man that's going to do the job. And that's when I gave up. And I said, okay, God, I surrender totally to you. And then I, I, I kid you not, after about three minutes after I prayed, she called me. <laughs> Serious, she called me. Right? I think you asked me out on a date, didn't you? Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> no. But she called me. It changed everything. But it happens like that. Once we try to do so much, so much, so much, and then we finally just surrender to the Lord and say, God, th- this is you. And guess what? Then you get to your destination. You know, the greatest enemy in your life is not the devil. It's yourself. It really is. It's yourself. Spiritual warfare, so much so, I mean, it happens in the heavenlies, but it's happening more in your mind than anywhere else. 
And so we have to be very aware of that. You give up, right? Just trust in Him. And He'll get you to the place where you need to be. It's so comforting. He says, it's me. Do not be afraid. Whatever situation is going on, God says, look, I'm here. I'm right here for you. Invite me in to your situation. Invite me in to your circumstance. Invite me into your troubles. It's, it's not so small. We, I don't know why we, we, we believers, a lot of times, we feel like if we bring something to God, it has to be some huge thing. You know, we think like, God, you're busy in Afghanistan. Actually, right now, you're probably working in Syria right now. And you're too busy for me right now. No, it's not true. He is intimately acquainted with even the smallest things in our life. You know, in the, in the Beatitudes, he, tell us, he tells us that he, he numbers the hairs on our head. You know, if, if you actually really study that passage in depth, he's not saying that he numbers your hair. I mean, it's, it's saying that. What he's, what he's literally saying, he says he knows every hair on your head. And so if you imagine, you know, I mean, you know, we look at some people, some of you guys have less hair than others. I'm not going to say anything about that. But we count it, and there's a finite number. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying, he knows every single hair on your head. And so he knows at, you know, March, oh, no, what, what, what is it, September? Sorry, I've been, I've been traveling so much, I have no idea. <laughs> September 1, 2013, at 2.45 p.m., hair number 64, row number 8, column number 62, is falling out at 2.45 p.m. <laughs> That's crazy. That's actually literally what it means. He's studying the Greek. He numbers, and if, he, if he's intimately acquainted with our hair, don't you think he cares about the things in our life, big or small? Because that's the kind of God that he is. He says, it's me. Don't be afraid. Can we close our eyes? It's me. God says, I do not be afraid. I felt like as I was praying this morning that God gave me a few impressions. And I, I just want to minister to you today. One of them, I felt like there are a few of you, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Well, now you go talk to your leaders, but we're going to pray for you today. But I feel like some of you uh, are been battling a little bit of suicidal thoughts. Life is not quite working out like maybe you thought it was working out. And, and you've been getting these just glimpses, just these thoughts kind of been penetrating in your mind. Or just saying, just end it. Just kill yourself. No one cares about you. I want you to know that's the devil. And the Lord wants to minister to you. He wants you to know in your heart of hearts that God is with you. So just invite him into that place. And God's going to minister to you. Part of that 
the suicidal thing, I felt like there's just really a deep, deep loneliness. Maybe you're new to Korea, or maybe you've been around, but you haven't really developed, fostered deep friendships yet. And so it's, it's this hopelessness. But He's the God of hope. He says, hope above hopelessness. And so, I, like I said, I don't want to embarrass you or anything like that today. But I'm going to pray for you right now. And what I want you to do is I want you to find your leader or find somebody. And just talk to them. And they're going to continue to pray for you. They're continue to minister to you. And part of that too is I, I feel like deep friendships are going to come into your life. That's God's promise over you. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for my friends, God, here in this place. And, Lord, and there's joy all around, God. But in some, Lord, there's a deep, deep sadness. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, and Lord, and just begin to breathe on them right now. Or something that maybe no one knows. They may be surrounded by friends, yet feel so lonely. Lord, would you come, God? Would you just whisper into their heart of hearts that simple word it's me don't be afraid don't be afraid or give them the courage to find somebody to share with Lord that you can take them deeper into healing God I also want to just pray and actually do it congregationally. If there's any of you guys here that, that are dealing with fear of some type, maybe it's a fear of failure, a fear of man, fears over finances, fears over relationships, fears over unanswered prayers, all kinds of things that kind of, kind of bombard us. I just invite you wherever you're at just to stand where you're at all the eyes are closed and just stand in that place God's going to touch you today just close your eyes open your hands you're God's precious child and you're going to receive from the Lord it's not my words it's God's words because he's there with you all, all I'm going to ask you to do is right where you're at just really quickly, just verbalize. In other words, invite them into your boat. Invite them into your situation, whatever it may be. And listen, there's nothing wrong with you because you're afraid. Courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is overcoming the fear. You standing right now is an act of courage. You're not a second-class Christian citizen because you're afraid. This is part of God's process of discipleship in our life. And so you just invite Him right now, whatever it may be, financial, relational, fear of man, fear of failure, whatever fear is gripping you right now, just invite Him. 
and then we're going to minister to you. things about this church and it's the power of the body now you guys that are standing i just want you to close your eyes like i said open your hands i say this in our church so please don't think i'm weird but i don't want you to talk i don't want you to pray anymore now when you're kissing someone you don't talk you just enjoy you let god kiss you today but you're going to get some help if you're seated now This is your brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. Now, if you're seated right now, I want you to open your eyes. I want you to find somebody. Everybody, find somebody. Move around in the room. I want you to lay hands on that person, and I just want you to pray with them. I want you to feel God's heart for them. I want you to experience God through them, with them, to them, from them. Well, let's make sure everyone's got somebody. There's a whole front row up here. So some of you guys in the back, move along. Don't worry that you've never prayed for anyone. It's all right. It's a good, great place to start. In the comfort of God's house right here. So everyone grab somebody. If you need to come up on the stage and get our friends in the front row. If you're, if you're someone who stood and there's no one, you don't feel any hand on you, just raise your hand. Someone's going to come. There's a sister here, there's a sister over there, there's a brother over there. Come on, church, let's be the church right now.